The Glacier National Park Conservancy is one of those unique organizations that supports Glacier National Park. We all love Glacier and the Conservancy provides funds and it cares for the park. Come along on today's FBCC Nature Journal to learn all about it with Executive Director Doug Mitchell. Hi, and welcome to the FBCC Nature Journal, the podcast for everyone who loves nature. We're coming to you from the beautiful campus of Flathead Valley Community College at the foot of the Swan Mountain Range of Northwest Montana, my favorite mountain range. I'm John Fraley, longtime instructor in wildlife conservation here at the college, and I also served 40 years with Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. Our producer is Colin Burkhart, and thanks to Morgan Ray, the library director, for offering the library as our podcast home. Today we're going to talk about the great things accomplished for Glacier National Park by the Glacier National Park Conservancy. Doug Mitchell is the executive director, and Doug, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, John. It's a pleasure to be here. You're a very popular guy. I hear everybody say good things about you. Well, uh, I, they clearly don't know me well enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about your background a little bit, just to, to lead you up to being such a great fit for this position. What do you think some of the things were that really helped you? You know, John, I'm 61 years young, and at the end of my career, this seemed like the perfect way for me and my wife, Julie, to kind of give back to something that has meant so much to she and I and our, fam our entire family. You know, going back, I spent the first third of my life kind of learning how things work. I was the Chief Deputy Secretary of State here in Montana. Mm -hmm. I worked for Senator Max Baucus as his Montana Chief of Staff. Mm -hmm. So I got a sense of how things worked. I also ran the Marina Cay Resort in Big Fork. So... I got a good education in the first third of my career about how things work. The second third of my career, I kind of brought that to bear for other people on things they care about. I helped raise Montana's minimum wage, helped expand health care for Montanans. Hmm. Um, and the third part of my career, I really wanted to use those skills and really put them to bear on things that I care really deeply about. Not to say I don't care deeply about minimum wage and health care, mm -hmm. but the Montana's environment is really important to me, and this is an opportunity to do that. That's great. What a great list of experience to bring you to this position. And, and let's talk a little bit about what the Conservancy does. Actually, you provide dollars for a lot of different projects, right? Just give us a little overview, and we're going to get into more detail in a minute. We do, John. We're the, we're the best nonprofit nobody's ever heard of, is what <laughs> I like to say. So every park has kind of a friends group because, unfortunately, taxpayer dollars don't support all the things that need to happen in our national park. So we provide, this year, we're hoping to provide $3.4 million in grant support this year mm -hmm. to the park to fund 41 critical projects. And that really happens right at the gate. When you go to the gate, they're going to hand you a newspaper. Right. The Conservancy provides the funding for 2 million copies of that wow. to be given to visitors every year. That's amazing. And, and it's really important. Like you said, you don't always have that government money that's available. And you guys do so well raising dollars. I'm really impressed by that. So... Let's get into a little bit about the construct of the national park system and why it's so difficult to do the unimpaired and the human enjoyment. Tell us a little bit about that. Right. So the, you know, the very organic act that created the National Park Service in 1916 mm -hmm. says two kind of contrary things. Keep it exactly the way it is and let the public enjoy it. Right? <laughs> and so that's a hard balancing act, right? Mm -hmm. That if you have kind of unfettered use, then it's clearly going to have some damage. So that's why trails get built and campgrounds get monitored. 
and, and it's become really a critical issue here in the Flathead as the park has over the last two years done pilot programs for kind of access management. So mm-hmm. first year was ticketed entry. This is vehicle reservations this year. And that's been controversial, but it really comes to this entire point. How do you keep it the same and still let people have access to it? It's a complicated question. And there's another point to that that we were discussing earlier about the local interest. In other words, the National Park Service, the Organic Act also talks about it being managed in the national interest. Why is that important? Right. I think it's, you know, it's, it's really interesting. And I, I get that I'm a local, right? So and I've been hiking in this park for, for 40 plus years. Mm-hmm. And it is frustrating that you can't just put on your shoes one day, beautiful day like today, and just say, I'm going to the park. And, and I get a lot of suggestions like, well, if you have a seven license plate, right, you can, you can go yeah. in, right? Yeah. But imagine what would be the case if they had the same rule at Muir Woods in San Francisco mm-hmm. and Yosemite in Los Angeles, right? We'd never get in. And so these are national parks. Some of the great statements about them that we all take pride in are that they're the most democratic institution. Everybody gets treated the same in nature. That's true. Right? And that they're America's greatest idea, Wallace Stegner said famously. And if that's true, it really is because all of us get the opportunity to experience that majesty and peace and promise and hope that comes with standing in a place like Glacier Park. And when you think about it, if it wasn't managed for the national interest, there was big battles over even establishing Glacier National Park because the locals didn't want to remove it from the resource base. And so you almost have to manage national parks as a national interest. So that's what really comes on in that. So you say that Glacier National Park Conservancy is one of a bunch of nonprofit organizations generally referred to as friends group. What's that mean? Yeah, so um, one of the ways to kind of think about this, when you you go to a, a park generally, there's going to be in the visitor center, there's a bookstore. The national the government doesn't sell stuff, so they have to rely on a, on a nonprofit entity to run that. And that's great because we run that here in Glacier, and we're able to return the revenue from that to projects in the park. So yeah. in essence, every largest national park is going to have a friends organization that does at least a couple of things. One provides educational programming. That's the Glacier Institute, great partner of ours mm-hmm. here. Does the retail stores in the visitor centers. That's us here just straight up does philanthropy. And that's what we do here. Um, And then volunteers, and that's the Glacier National Park Volunteer Associates here. In some parks like Yellowstone, for example, they're all under the Yellowstone Forever umbrella. But when you go to a park, whether it's Acadia or Grand Canyon or Yosemite or Golden Gate, you're going to see a friends group. It could be a conservancy, friends of, something like that. And they provide in total probably you know, well over $200 million in funding for projects that frankly would not happen, John, without private philanthropy. Fill us in a little bit about your science programs that you support. I know you were into a link study at this point, right, where you're providing funds to study. Yeah, so the link study just finished up. In fact, uh, the links researcher, Alyssa Anderson, just took a job with Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. She's going to be in charge of the CAT program, which is super exciting. But think about this, three-year link study, the middle of those years is when the park's east side was closed. This is researcher gold. <coughs> so she was able to have 150 cameras in the park mm, that's right. in the exact same places for three years. So think about having a camera on the Iceberg Lake Trail with people, a camera on the Iceberg Trail without people, and a camera on the Iceberg Trail again with people. The analysis she is able to do about the impact of people on critters has been really amazing. It's just being published now, 
But that was a three-year, quarter of a million dollar study, again, that, that the park really wanted the actionable data about lynx. And by the way, cameras are indiscriminate, so they have lots oh, yeah. of data about oh, yeah. lots of other animals. Oh, gosh, yeah. So it's super valuable, and again, wouldn't happen without private donations. We, we, we at the Conservancy don't do anything. We only do it because we have donors who give generously of their time, treasure, yeah. and talent. Yeah. And there's a lot of projects. People, where can people find a list of those? And I guess on your website. Huh? Yeah, glacier.org is our website, and you can just kind of our work is a tab, and that's going to take you immediately to all 41 projects that we're proposing. Wow. We'd like to be very transparent. We tell donors exactly where their money is going, mm -hmm. and so all 41 projects totaling 3.4 million dollars are there. You can look at them, and again, if you have any questions, that you know, Doug at glacier.org, it's really easy. Okay. And let's, uh, got a few more minutes here. Let's get into a few fun things. So when did you first hike in Glacier National Park? So, John, I first hiked, I, I, my college sweetheart, Julie Nelson, now Mitchell, 39 years of wedded bliss uh, just <laughs> last week, uh, brought me up here, invited me to come and visit her, she and her family in, I think it was either 1980 or 1981. She doesn't like it when I say this, but she's been hiking in this park for 60 years, uh -oh. right? Because she started hiking when she was two in this there park. You go. I mean, um, and so we've been hiking in this park for over 40 years together. Wow. My first hike was, like many, was the Highline Trail. I will always remember it for a number of reasons, including that my mother-in-law, Helen, who just died recently, just met people along the trail and asked them if they were parked at Logan Pass or at the Loop and just gave someone her car keys mm -hmm. to move her car down yeah, to just... where we were headed, down at the loop, yeah, right? Yeah. It, that was really new to me. A kid who grew up in San Francisco, this was new to me. And that hike, you know, some people, they go out that Highline Trail and they think they're going to then walk all the way back and it's getting duskier or a storm. They, they better go out that, that uh, loop trail and get back to the road and get somebody to help them. Because I've seen so many people just get overextended on that trail. So what, what's, so what's another place you like to really hang out in Glacier? So the favorite, the favorite hike, Julie and I try and do it on or around our anniversary every year is Dawson, Pitamakan, and the ah. Two Medicine Valley. For me, John, the Two Medicine Valley is very spiritual. There's, there's mm -hmm. something about it, and it's obviously very new to me, but there's just something about that landscape that, to me, just energizes me every time I go, which you need some energy on Dawson, Pitamakan, because it's, <laughs> it's 16 miles over two passes. Right. But, man, every time I go there, I just feel just this real privilege about being able to be in that landscape. And you and I talked to you a couple of weeks ago, I did Rising Wolf, and we came out, we started at Two Medicine and got right up the face there and then over the ridges and out the Skywalk, which is incredible. And then we got to the trail you're talking about at Dawson, Dawson Pitamakan Trail. And we walked back around to the, to the, and you know, I don't think we saw more than two huckleberries the whole way. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a huckleberry failure year, don't you think? I mean, so I, I will, and I hate to give up the local the uh -oh. local secret, but I will uh, aptly named Huckleberry Lookout Trail oh. is filthy with them. It's still, um, oh, it's still my, good. my wife came back with purple fingers okay. and allocated one quart that one can can take. But yeah, there were tons there. But I agree with you. It's been a little bit of a off year in other places. That is a good spot. I've seen number of bears in that spot, though. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they, they, they do to go together. Yeah. So if you had one thing to change about how Glacier Park is managed, what would it be? Well, I don't know that it's changed, but I think that it's, I, I think we need to do some tinkering. I think we have to realize as a society that this idea of, of managed entry in special places, whether it's a park or a museum, is um, is here to stay. If we really are going to protect the resource, no matter what that is or where it is, that we're going to have a responsibility to that. I think okay. Yosemite put it well that 
let's reserve today to preserve tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that really thinking through with the public, with wildlife managers, how do we manage access to the park in a way that's, that's fair, that's equitable, that, that protects the resource that it protects the economy. Glacier is the golden goose that laid the egg <laughs> here sure. in the Flathead Valley. And, and that's important, right? Let's yeah. not forget that, that, that all those components, and I really think that we're smart enough to be able to figure that out. There are some really, really good brains here that can, can help us with that. Well, well said, and you're definitely one of them, Doug. And thanks a lot for coming on today. And good luck as the park moves into the fall months. And keep up the good work. I really appreciate what you do. That's all the time we have for this episode of the FVCC Nature Journal. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fraley, and I'll see you next time.